Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Tuesday, May 16th, 2023. Intern Joe is back with us. Oh, yeah. And as always, I am Mike Yuba. We have a lot to get into tonight because, as we know with football, it never ends. There's been some updates with recruiting. There's been some additions for South Carolina. There's been some guys that I know Gamecock fans were targeting over these last couple of weeks, hoping to be able to land in Columbia, South Carolina, and that was not the case. So we will get into that as well, and we'll look at where South Carolina stands big picture as well as discuss some of these positions right now when you're talking about depth charts and early projections right now because, again, the transfer portal is still open, but we're going to start to get to that point over the next couple of weeks, I feel like, even though there's not a deadline on these things in turn, Joe, the only deadline that you have to worry about is from a university standpoint when you're talking about enrolling into that school. Um, when you have to take care of all the curriculums, you know, every, everything you need to do in order to be a student first. The student part's the most important, the student athlete, uh, a part of it. So, again, we will get into that. Uh, but from a recruiting standpoint, things are going to really start to crank up in about, I'd say, the next three, four weeks once we get into June. Okay, so we'll get into that. Um, Let's just get right into it. Let's get right into it. I know the big news today for South Carolina is that Logan Diggs, one of the players that USC has been targeting over the last couple weeks, he has announced his decision to go to LSU. Now, I'll say this. If you're shocked by this news, number one, you've been living under a rock. Number two, you're naive. Um, but number three, it shouldn't really come as much of a surprise. What was your initial thoughts, intern Joe, when you saw the news with Diggs this afternoon? Yeah, I mean, saw the news this afternoon. And, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised. Uh, I know, I believe Diggs, yeah, Diggs was there when BK, Brian Kelly, was at Notre Dame as well. He was recruited by him, um, played Notre Dame. So I, I'm, I'm not really surprised in, in, in a way, uh, if that makes any sense. I don't know. I think once I heard LSU was kind of in the mix, I, I figured it would be a race between LSU and South Carolina. And, you know, Mike, we were talking about it before the show, just the homecoming factor for, for Logan Diggs is, is a pretty mm-hmm. big one. Um, and that's another thing that a lot of people kind of overlook um, when it comes to transfer guys. You know, a lot of guys would like to go a little bit closer to home. Um, get some of that home cooking, be, you know, closer to your family and stuff like that. I think that's a bigger factor um, for guys transferring. You saw what Austin Stogner did uh, going back to OU and whatnot. I think, you know, when you're getting 
going through the ranks of college football and stuff, I think you realize, you know, being away from home as much as you are and whatnot, I think you kind of get to, you know, get an appreciation for home. I, I know certainly that me being in college, I'm home this week. Goodness, it feels good, man. It feels good and have some have some of Ma's cooking and whatnot every once in a while. So it's it's good. But um surprised, not necessarily, again, because of the Brian Kelly factor and the fact that he's from there. Um, you know, it came a little sooner than I thought, but you know, and I and I still think South Carolina had a realistic shot at him. It's just it's just tough um, when you're going up against, you know, the guy that recruited him, recruited him in his home state. You know, I feel like it was the perfect cocktail or perfect combination for LSU to land Logan Diggs. Well, let's go right there because I know, and, and again, there's been two players today. I'm starting off with Logan Diggs, uh, of course, the NC State running back as well, who sumo, I can sumo car. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm just going to call him, um, damn, I think it's first name. So, but the NC State running back. He, he made his decision uh, to commit to Kentucky. So I think the fact that you have both these players at South Carolina was looking at making the decision today, even though it shouldn't come as a surprise, even though it shouldn't come as this, you know, uh, there's going to be disappointment because, look, we, we've talked about it before. When you're looking at the positions, and depth is certainly – uh, one, when you look at the running back position, we've talked about it from the edge position. We've talked about it even at linebacker. I, I understand there were certain positions going into this portal, this second portal offseason, if you will, that second window that closed on April 30th and is still open. But yeah. there were people that wanted to see an experienced running back added to South Carolina's depth chart. And I totally get it. I totally understand. Even though you do have a talented guy, Dontavious Braswell coming on campus, a talented speedster, four-star from Georgia, who is proven that he can run. I mean, it's not even just in football. The 100, the 200 in track and field, he's got speed. But I understand when you look about the, when you look at the now and when you're talking about college football and you're talking about the transfer portal and how teams are – the pressure is on more than ever in turn, Joe, to be able to win now. And it's not even saying when I say win now, I'm not talking about necessarily having to win the conference championship or a national championship. It's that pressure to be able to say, hey, look, look at that team, right? It could be a team in your conference. It could be a team in your state saying, look what they're doing. Why can't we do that right now? You know, look at that team, what they were a year ago. I mean, look at Florida, right? I know there's a lot of projections that have the Gators finishing towards the bottom of the SEC East, right? Right up there with Vandy. Second to last, maybe in the East. If Florida is somehow able to turn around, just do a complete 180 from where they were a year ago, the offseason, I'm telling you right now, South Carolina included, fans are going to be saying, look what Florida did. It, it happens. It, that's the norm now of college football. But and, and this isn't to say you shouldn't be disappointed. If you're disappointed, that's fine. But you mentioned Diggs. Home state. Recruited by Brian Kelly. And the other factor of it all, the other factor of it all, when we're talking about Diggs, he's going to a team who has a chance to be able to win the SEC West. I know it's a very tough division. Yep. I know Alabama's always up there, right? And even though they won the division last season, this is a team that is a piece or two away from being able to take that next step. So I can't blame 
when you look at all three of those factors, I can't blame. I don't think it's one of those things like, oh, South Carolina didn't do a good enough job recruiting. I, I know that there's a lot of Ontario hard to see stuff out today. I, I get it. If you're frustrated with him, and I think there were still some people that were frustrated with him towards the end of last season, but it feels like it's coming out more so today. Really? Yeah. If you're just upset that South Carolina didn't land a running back out of these two, I understand that. But I mean, come on, let's, let's slow down a little bit. Yeah, Mike. I mean, again, I think the Logan Diggs thing for him, it made for Logan Diggs, it made sense. And LSU, as much as I hate to say it, I think you know they are going to compete for the SEC West. Brian Kelly's got some good things going on down there, um, so I, I think it makes sense for Logan Diggs. And yeah, from a South Carolina standpoint, you wanted to see you know Beamer and Co. go out and land a big running back, um, you know. But I, I think that's football too. Um, Mike, you talked about the pressure to win, um, just in general, not necessarily titles or anything like that. But I, I certainly think, you know, it's definitely increased a lot more with the transfer portal and the way it is and how easy it is to go get guys and, and bring different guys in. And we saw the, the whole Rattler effect and how much that changed South Carolina. And it's like, oh, my gosh, they're going to win now. And it's, you know, it's, Rattler's going to throw for a thousand yards and all this. The expectations just go up, 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 up. And it's so much quicker that these expectations develop when you have the transfer portal as wide open as you do. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, breaking that all down, and I, I don't think it's a bad thing South Carolina didn't go get a running back. Like, it's it's tough, especially in the portal and the way it is now, to, you know, make a big splash just because, again, things move so quickly. Like, Logan Diggs took one visit to South Carolina, and it was done. Like, boom, you don't have a whole lot of time to, you know, guys will enter the portal, and then they're out of it. So, you, it's it's a revolving door of players. And so it's, it's really hard to kind of, you know, make that splash. And every once in a while, you're going to have positions where you're not as strong. I mean, that's football, right? Mike, like it, it happens unless you're Alabama or Georgia, you're, you're going to have positions where you're, you're just lacking. And I think that, you know, with the, with the portal being the way it is today, it's, it's tough to you know put expectations on that and whatnot. And, and look, I think, Hey, this RNG, you know, they, they say it best, you know, they, they, they say I'm okay with the running back room, but most years out of the last decade, we've had an injury in the backfield. We have to get depth. last year, Beal Smith, Lloyd were injured around the same time. Yeah. I mean, look, when you're talking about, again, running back edge linebacker right now, those are the positions in particular. We can throw in defensive back as well because we saw it in the the spring game of how thin South Carolina was in that game because of some injuries. And certainly they're going to get some guys back heading into fall camp. But yeah, there's certain positions where USC is very, very thin at. And I think it's real easy to look at the running back room right now, because as we've said before, I mean, I, I made comparisons to what if, you know, South Carolina was able to land digs and with Juju McDowell, right? Juju McDowell is the most experienced running back you have in your running back room right now. And that's no disrespect to Mario Anderson, but, you know, saying at this level, he's your most experienced back. Juju over the first two seasons at South Carolina, and you want to throw in the 33 receptions. I may have thrown this out there last week, but I'll say it again. You throw in the 33 receptions he had these past two seasons, along with every touch that he had on the ground, he still did not have as many touches at the running back position then Diggs had this past season, and Diggs split the workload at Notre Dame. So, yeah, certainly being able to bring a guy like Diggs in would have been huge, or bringing the guy in from NC State. There's no question about that. But, again, this is where South Carolina stands right now. Do I feel like USC bringing in a running back 
at this time or the next couple of weeks, we're talking about the transfer portal since it's obviously still open. Will it make or break this team this season? I don't think it will. I really don't think it will. I think it can take the pressure off. Rattler, number one. But as we've said many, many times in this program, many, many times, it's all going to start as cliche as it sounds. It's all going to start with that offensive line. And I think more than anything, we're talking about pressure. I think the pressure cranks up a little bit more on Dow Loggins, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. If you're Dow today, you look at it and you're saying, okay, you know, if we had an opportunity to bring in one of these experienced running backs, maybe that takes the, you know, it doesn't make it necessarily, I'm not saying it's going to make it easier overall, but it gives you some experience at that position, a little bit more experience. Now you're going to have to get a little bit creative. Now you're going to have to get a little bit creative because a phrase that we have said many times in this show, unproven depth, unproven depth. To carry on Joyner, we know how talented he is when he has the ball in his hands. Mario Anderson, we know how talented he was at Newberry. Juju McDowell, we've seen what he's done at South Carolina. Obviously, he's been in a role where it hasn't been the workhorse just because of the guys that were in front of him the first two years. But now you get into a spot where you have to find ways to get creative. And I think Dow, number one, he's got to figure out how he's going to make this offensive line work. How is he going to give time for Rattler in figuring out what that lineup's going to be? What is that lineup going to be? Once you're able to figure that out, the passing game, I feel like with this team, is the first big step. After that, running game. Because, and I Cam brought this up. I see Cam. I don't know, fellas, this is the SEC. A running game, at least respectively, one is fairly important, if not necessary. Cam, I'm not disagreeing that you need, you need a running game. This isn't the Big 12 where it's arena football. But at the same time, too, this isn't, you know, this isn't your dad's SEC. You know, this isn't the George Roger days. This isn't the Herschel Walker days. You will have outliers. You will have guys that will rush the ball 25-plus times a game. But honestly, this is becoming more of a passing league. It, that's just the reality of it. That's why you're seeing defenses shift over to 4-2-5 defenses. You're not seeing the 4-3 defenses as much. You're not seeing the 5-2 defenses as much. There's packages in there. Teams are still, but again, I think South Carolina will be a team that will be pass first, regardless if they had a guy in here like Diggs. I mean, that's just how I feel. Regardless of what played out and plays out on the transfer portal, I think this will be a pass first team. Yeah, Mike, I mean, I think so, right? I think Dowell's talked about that when, when he came in, wants to design the offense around the weapons that you have. And I mean, obviously you've had Spencer a lot longer than you've had, you know, say a Logan Diggs or a transfer portal running back. Um, so the offense has been designed or it's been in the works already. I don't think you'd change that up for a big splash in the portal. Um, just change up your whole philosophy. You have weapons in, in Rattler and Juice Wells and stuff like that. So I don't think you'd change it up that much. And yes, it is the SEC. You need a consistent running game to have success because, you know, obviously, as we all know, the running game opens up the passing game and it is still the SEC. But, um, you know, the camp's point, we didn't run the ball against Tennessee that much at all so yeah absolutely you know i think that's a good point and it, it just shows how much it's evolving and then you got two big 12 teams coming into the league and in texas and oklahoma those guys don't like to run the ball very often either so and um, you need to and you yeah. need to run it you know going back to what cam said you definitely need to run it you well, don't want to be 
the one trick pony, the, as I say, the 10 year old youth basketball player who can only dribble with his right hand. I mean, absolutely want to be able to, to mix in the run in there because kind of like a changeup in baseball, if you're just throwing fastball, 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 what's going to happen if you're not throwing any, you know, breaking balls, any off-speed pitches, good hitters going to be able to figure that out. That'll be the same with the defense. No question. I just feel like they're going to be pass first. Like they're going to choose to be able to throw the football in years past. And with some of the talent that South Carolina has had, we've seen them go run first. Uh, and, and I get that. I get the sec, the history it has with the talented running backs they've produced. I totally understand that. Uh, but at the same time too, what I'm trying to get at is whether South Carolina brought in digs or if they bring in another player from the transfer portal, I still think this would be a, a pass first team just because of the talent they have at quarterback and the talent they have uh, with Juice Wells and a guy like Trey Knox, what we saw, and some of the other receivers that, you know, it, we didn't get to see as much in the spring game, but we heard positive things. Eddie Lewis, one of those players to keep an eye on. Uh, Marion Brown, keep an eye on him. He's He's been coming along. So I, I don't – I know today's going to feel like maybe a, a kick in the groin uh, times two. You know, when you look at the situation, but what I'm trying to get at is you're not, it's not like you lost two players today. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It'd be one thing if you had two players enter the portal today. That's not the case. You know, you these are two guys you're playing with house money. And it didn't look like Diggs was gonna come here anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and to say that USC was in a big boy recruiting battle for Diggs going up against LSU and old miss. I know we're not here to say moral victories and all that, but that wouldn't have been the case a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. Mike, and you can point that to anywhere across recruiting. I know we're going to get into, you know, some, some more of the 2024 class a little bit later, but I mean, you look across the board, guys are putting out their top sixes, top sevens, whatever it is, South Carolina is up there and in there. I mean, you didn't see that during, you know, the must champ era towards the tail, tail end of it, at least. So, I mean, I think there's some significance with that. And, um, you know, just kind of putting a bow for, at least for me, on, on the whole Logan Diggs thing is like South Carolina running back room, it's it's always it was always going to be a platoon thing anyways, whether you got Diggs, whether you didn't. Um, you know, you have a guy like Juju McDowell who can, you know, keep, um, you know, defenses honest. He's got that outside speed that, that can break out a little bit. I mean, we've seen that from him. But it was always going to be a platoon effort, even if he got a Logan Diggs or, or another splash at running back. Um, he wasn't going to get, you know, 30 carries a game just because of how the offense is, like we were saying. So, I mean, I don't think it's a huge loss. And obviously, you got to trust Dowell and whatnot um, with, with the way the offense is going. But then also, you know, the Dakarion Joyner package should excite people, too. You know, the rumors of him playing running back and whatnot. It's, it's, it's always a good time when DK's in on offense. It's, it's always fun to watch because Dowell – I mean, and Satterfield had some stuff like that too, but I can't wait to see what Dowell has in plan for him because, I mean, a guy like DK can pretty much do anything. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what the, the running back platoon looks like for sure. So, as you guys can see right now, this is on three's database for transfers, and this is the running back position in particular. Uh as you go down here, this is just trying to give you an idea because obviously this is FBS players. This doesn't have Division Two. It doesn't have some of these other some of the other smaller schools. However, to give you an idea of what else is out there, now I will say this: that sometimes, and I, you know, Day Day Hunter, 
not familiar with him, but what I'm trying to get at is sometimes, you know, a player or two may appear in here that is undecided and they may have committed. So keep that in mind sometimes um, just in terms of how quickly things are updated. Like Logan Diggs today, you know, hard commit to LSU, right? Um, but, you know, and again, I know this isn't Madden, but it kind of feels like that in, in, in a sense sometimes you're playing one of these video games like, all right, who's available? And obviously, at the end of the day, this isn't a video game. And as intern Joe mentioned, it's stuff that you guys already know. Sometimes it's about being closer to home. Sometimes it's about being able to play at a dream school or whatever the case may be. You know, maybe it's to be able to reunite with the coach who recruited you, whether it be a positional coach, a head coach at another school. So, you know, we can go down here and be like, all right, you know, Dingle's available. You know, he played at NIU last year. Hmm, he might be one of the best available running backs. Again, that's just kind of going down the list to show you what's out there still. But, you know, the bottom line is when you start to scroll down here and you look at guys out there from a, from an experienced standpoint, you know, a lot of these guys have already signed. Now, does that mean South Carolina won't go after a running back? before it's before this before fall camp begins no does that mean south, south carolina what was that intern joe we talked about how quickly it moves things happen so fast in today's day of the portal you just never know and i mean and i give you guys a lot of credit rng day day had a thousand all-purpose yards last year for liberty he'd be a good guy so i mean I, i'd be lying to you um because again it's not like it's nfl free agency even though it feels like that at times, there's just so many friggin' names. I'd be lying to you if I if I told you I know everything about some of these guys. Um, certainly, I follow college football across the board, but I mean, some of these guys. I, but you know, I'll go based off of what you're saying. I'll go up to day day. Why not? I mean, let's just have some fun here tonight. Try to bring some uh, light back into the the situation here. But you see Mario Anderson committing to South Carolina. Day day a little bit up higher. I think, I mean, look, bottom line is if you're bringing in an inter Joe, my opinion, if you're bringing someone in from the running back position, it's all about just having experience back there. I mean, if you can bring someone out there that has, you know, success at another school and, and a guy like dig some of these guys that, we're, that we've been mentioning before they've already committed to schools but if you can bring someone in that has that experience and i mean a guy like hunter i mean he's hopped around a little bit hmm. uh, it's and, and it, it, you really don't need to necessarily bring a guy in that has a year left i mean uh two years left it's about being able to do what is in the best interest of your team in the now. And for South Carolina, going back to what we've mentioned in turn, Joe, that's what they're going to face every single year. The bar, it's been risen. It's, it's up. And while I'm not going to sit here and get into the win totals too much, being able to at least get to seven wins shows consistency. You don't want to fall back to six. You don't want to fall back to being ineligible for a bowl game. I know the expectations are high, but at the same time, too, let's call it for what it is. 
one of the tougher schedules in the country. And you also have a very, very talented, but a very, very, very young team. A team that we've talked about before, Intern Joe. I think they're two years away from really making that big step. But, um, again, if you're, if you're interested, you want to fool around with seeing who else is in, in the uh, transfer portal right now, go for different positions. You can go for all. Um, you can see some of the guys who've already entered the portal. I know it feels like a video game a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know, you're looking at a safety potentially, whatever, you know. Hop on in here and, and fool around with it. But that's that's just going to give you an idea about what is out there for running backs if if you feel like South Carolina needs to add one more before the start of the season. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Absolutely. It's, uh, the uh, the transfer portal and on three, it's fun. It's a good, uh, interesting, just, you know, just kind of go in there because there are so many names in there. It's so really- we'll hop over to South Carolina right now. We've talked about the transfer portal with South Carolina today. You see all the transfers that South Carolina has been able to pick up from the portal. You can see the guys that have left as well. I know with South Carolina today, intern Joe, and I want to make sure that we're saying his name correctly. South Carolina was able to add another pick up via the portal on the offensive line. I'm trying to make sure that I have this right. Here we go. From Mercer. And it's a preferred walk-on. So another preferred walk-on. Yeah. Um, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. He goes by uh, Nye or Nye. Nye Menzel um, from Mercer. Again, I hope I'm not butchering that name, so I apologize. Um, I, look, I know some people get like, oh, Mercer or, you know, oh, Newberry or whatever. Um, but we've talked about this before. USC has done a good job with identifying small school guys, talent from small school, uh, from small schools. So no one's saying that this guy's going to come in here being all American or anything like that. If anything, intern Joe, the way I look at the pickup today from South Carolina is that it adds more depth to an offensive line that needs it. It adds some more experience. It adds the ability to bring someone in who's already played college football. Sure at a smaller school get that but if he comes in here and he's able to figure it out it's going to push some of those younger guys they do have some talented younger guys that they brought in this year okay uh luatos and bubble marquee anderson you look at the talent that's coming in for the class of 2024 but you bring this guy in preferred walk on doesn't go up against your scholarship right now that to me is Small risk, big reward. I, I think I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think it's a, I think it's a great signing, and, this, and we've seen this from South Carolina bringing in preferred walk-ons over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean the ceiling for some of these guys is so high, um, and I, I, I liked your point about 
you know, bringing these guys in to push some of the younger guys. I think that's a great point. And then also, too, you look at some of the guys that they've already brought in. I mean, I wouldn't be talking Tuesdays if we didn't mention Carlos Patel or Juice Wells um, going to a small school. So um, I I think, you know, Juice Wells is a perfect example of it. You yeah. get a guy who just has so much upside. It's it's ridiculous. And so you bring him in, you put him in a big boy environment in the SEC and see what they can do, see what they're made out of. And if they turn out, they turn out. It's it's awesome. It works out. It's wonderful. Um, and if not, then, you know, it, it is what it is. You have more depth at the position, and then you're also pushing the younger guys as well. So um, I, I, I like it, um, especially going to get a, a guy from Mercer, uh, lower levels like that, just because the ceiling is so high and you need depth, um, especially because you don't know what's going to happen with Jalen Nichols quite yet. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think that's out yet. Um, what, what exactly his prognosis is. So so right now with Nichols in turn, Joe, we talked about it last week from yeah. Shane Beamer is that, and this is, you know, you could have been basically saying this if you're, you know, you're talking about maybe there's some more information that has not come out yet, but all that has been reported by Shane in the university is that Nichols will be out for an extended period of time. Um, there's no exact timetable for when he will be back. So for those of you that have not been following along the last couple of weeks, that is the latest on Jalen Nichols who suffered a knee injury in the spring game. So being able to bring in some extra offensive linemen, that that should help. I'm going back to Travis's point, you know, he says that, you know, we should have some depth in the interior of the offensive line. Um, tackle is a bigger concern, certainly. And I think when we've talked about it with, when we've talked about, and that's a good point too, talking about smaller school guys, Jalen Brooks, and that was part of the Will Muschamp era. Uh, Brooks came in here, and you know when he was on the field, he was able to make a difference, um, especially this past year. And he did things too that it wasn't the sexiest of things. And what I mean by that is being out there for units on special teams. You know, some of the stuff that you're not necessarily paying attention to when the game's going on because you're watching the guy with the ball. But I think, too, in turn, Joe, you bring in another preferred walk-on who has experience of playing guard. And I understand South Carolina, has, it feels like that's the position on the offensive line that there's a lot of experience at. But, um, again, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right. Uh, Manziel prim- primarily played guard. He played at least 20 games at the guard spot between – the spring COVID-19 season and the 2021 regular season will look to provide depth for South Carolina heading into the 2023 season. So look, Nick Gargiulo, another small school guy that's coming aboard here at South Carolina. We've mentioned him before, like a baseball player. He's your utility guy in the offensive line. You can plug him in anywhere. He can play center. He can play guard. He can play tackle. I would not be shocked. I would not be shocked if South Carolina were to move him to tackle to begin the season, if they feel like that is what is in the best interest of this team, looking at the status of Jalen Nichols, especially for the beginning of the season, not knowing how long he's going to be out for, but you bring him in. That's going to allow guys like this, like Manziel to come in and have a chance to be able to push for, one of those spots at guard. I'm not saying that he'll be a week one starter because again, you have some talented freshmen coming in here, but it pushes them a little bit too. And even if a guy like Marquis Anderson or a guy like Aluatosa Babalade, one of these guys end up being a starter, God forbid week one, 
because of the injuries on the offensive line and trying to figure out what makes the most sense. Now you have someone behind them that has experience of playing college football and he's looking at it probably like, all right, yeah, it's great. I'm in the SEC, but shoot, these guys are freshmen. There's no reason why I shouldn't be able to push them. You know, again, I understand the star system and all that, but my whole point being is having people to push people. So again, I understand you look at that signing today. It's not going to be the signing. I'm sure people are going to be losing their minds over uh, in comparison to if a guy like Diggs or the NC state running back committed to South Carolina, but in turn, Joe, we've talked about this and we've said it a couple of times on the show already, South Carolina, their biggest issue right now, outside of age, I feel like, which you can't really control too much right now, other than bringing a guy or two from the portal is just depth. Depp, keep bringing them on in. Preferred walk-ons, keep using them. I mean, why not? So I I like what they're doing right now. I do. I like what South Carolina is doing right now because based on what they have for scholarships, you're not going to be able to go all over the place and just throw a scholarship at every single person. And I don't think fans are necessarily saying that. I think some don't understand that. They just think that you could just throw them at everybody. But I, I like what USC is doing right now, all things considered, even not being able to land a guy or two that maybe they would have liked to have. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, it's depth, 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 depth. It's the name of the game in the SEC, especially at a position like a line. We saw how fragile it can get, especially with the Jalen Nichols injury. Um, just crazy things happen, especially some of those guys that are that big, you know, big bodies moving them around. Um, with that kind of force, anything can happen. Knock on wood, you hope. Nothing further happens, but, um, you know, depth, 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 depth. That's all you need in the SEC, um, and you're going to take as much of it as you can get. Um, scholarship-wise, I don't think necessarily it matters because, again, you're trying to get as many bodies that are capable of playing as you can, like we talked about, to push guys, also to possibly crack into the starting lineup or at least the rotation. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think you really can go wrong with depth. And, again, it's nice with the way the portal is now that you can go get some of the guys do – lower level D1, D2, um, and whatnot, guys that are capable of stepping in and at least providing, you know, some kind of push to whether that be the starters, the backups, whatnot. So, like, I think you're hitting the nail on the head there with, with the depth. It's all you get as much of it as you can because, you know, when when it, times, when it comes time for that portal to close, if you don't have enough of it, you're toast come October. So, intern Joe, I want to take a quick time out. We'll keep the show rolling, but we're going to go hit our first ad. Today's show, as always, is brought to you by our friends over at Liberty Tax. Yeah, absolutely. My tax anxiety is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. Mike, if you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team and make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated staff by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 99 on weekdays, 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. When you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Their numbers on screen right now. It is 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576. Give them a call for all of your tax needs. And as you see at the tippity top, like it is all the time. Today's show is also brought to you by a good friend, Clint Hammond of the Movement Mortgage. At Movement Mortgage. And look, we've talked about Clint before. 
but he is someone that has helped so many people that we know that speak very highly of him. Our own Wes Mitchell has used him. Uh, Perry Worth, former Gamecock quarterback and captain, has used him. And Clint has been in the industry since 2003. So he's not some jamoke. He's, he's been doing this for a while. He knows what he's talking about. His years of experience has allowed him to assist everyone from first-time homeowners to people that have uh, complicated and complex jumbo buyers. And if you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance, he'll be able to get the job done. So he can help you across the board. Give him a call once again over at Movement Mortgage. That number is 803-422-6797. That is Clint Hammond of Movement Mortgage. Appreciate all his support of Gamecock Central, as well as every GC Live show that takes place over here. Intern Joe, we mentioned the running backs. Mentioned the running backs. And I see a moose is loose. We have to get an update on that. Oh, yeah. We have a home uh, run. I, I know we try to yeah. give baseball updates yeah. when, when we can. We got a home run here, Intern Joe? Yeah, he had a two-run homer. I mean, got all of it. Um, just absolutely smoked it. Um, so, two nothing Gamecocks in the in the midweek. Um, so, early, early lead. Good to see them back fighting. Good to see the home runs back on track too. Um, I think that was one thing for the baseball team to try to get going again um, after these last couple of SEC seasons and quick little, I mean, while we're on the topic of baseball, GC Live Foul Balls will be coming at you live tomorrow. It'll be Jack Veltri and I, Colin will be at the Welcome Home, so we're another week without our, our guy CT, but nevertheless, we will be live previewing the big weekend that lies ahead uh, as Tennessee comes to Founders Park, so should be a fun one. Wow. Trying to have that uh, put a tweet out real quick mm. about Moose because I've been uh, I've been waiting for this one. Get that up there. But look, I think when you look about when you look at South Carolina where they're at right now, let's just look at their current makeup of their roster. Okay, that's not to say they can't add a player or two between now and even you know the end of next week. That's not to say they can't add someone tomorrow. That's not to say they won't add anyone before the start of the season. But looking at what they have right now, because we can't play this game of what if. Looking at what they have right now, you get this sense. You get this sense that on Joyner will be your starting running back week one. That's the sense that I'm getting. That's the sense that I'm getting. Juju McDowell the style of play is not what you would think when you're talking about your every down back. And that's not a slap in the face to him. I just feel like he has a certain skill set because of his, his body size. When you're talking about, you know, the wear and tear of the sec playing between the tackles that I think DK can be able to handle a little bit more, even though DK has not played running back in the sec, but you just look at how South Carolina has used Juju in the first two seasons. Yes, there were times that he ran between the tackles. Yes, there'll be probably more times because of his experience and because of the lack of depth in that running back room that he will be asked to run between the tackles even more this season. But I still feel like, based out of what we've heard, not just in the spring game, but what we heard throughout the scrimmages, which was Joyner was seeing a lot of touches. I believe the first scrimmage, he saw the most touches at running back. 
He was working with the twos, though, at that time. But he saw the most touches. I feel like we are on the verge of seeing DK start week one at running back. After that, it's going to come down to, you know, those those three other running backs. Juju, Monteri, I mean, excuse me, uh, Mario, and Braswell. You would assume Braswell will be the number four in that room. And this is assuming Turbo Miller um, will not be granted eligibility. He's been working with the team, but as of right now, the NCAA still has not granted him eligibility. So we'll put Miller on the back burner for right now. If he's if he's back, great, fantastic. Um, and that's not to discredit any of the other running backs in there. But if Bra- the point being is Braswell have an opportunity. Um, but you look at the other three guys. I think it's a three-head. I think you look at Joyner, Anderson, and then Juju. Does Juju get the nod as the number two guy going into camp? I mean, he'll probably be the number one, but I'm talking about going into week one. I probably have Joyner at number one and then probably put Juju at number two right now heading into week one. Yeah, I mean, I'd flip him just because I think this offense is going to be a little bit more spread out. I don't think they're going to be running in between the tackles as much as people think. I think, you know, we'll see a lot of check down. Like, Juju will be a great check down option. Swing him out to the left or right. Mm -hmm. uh, And then just let him get upfield. Fight him. You know, he won't be in between the tackles as much. He'll have kind of like um, between the hashes and the sidelines. Let him go to work there. It's kind of his office, um, you know, as we've seen previously. So, Personally, I think we see more juju and starter. I think with the way the running backs are going to be, I think it's going to be a loose term, right? Like whoever's going to get the first snap is technically the starter, but I I, I think they're all going to play pretty equally between juju and, and, and Dick Harry on Joyner. But um, the rumors are trending towards Joyner getting more touches, at least in week one as of now. But um, I, I think it'll be a little bit, we'll see, you'll see more of Juju just because of how the offense is designed. And if it is going to be more spread out, like, like everyone said, it is, um, you know, I, I think we'll see more Juju just because of his speed and also to ability to, you know, catch and, and get up field. I think he's a great receiving back and not to discredit to carry on. Cause we know, I mean, he came in as a wide, or quarterback or wide receiver, any of it really he can do it all. Yep. Um, so I, I think you have two really good options, especially out of the backfield um, from the passing threat. But I, I just think Juju will be utilized a little bit more if this offense is as spread it out as. And, I, and look, I mean, shoot, you go back to Juju's freshman year; he was fun to watch, and that's not to say he wasn't fun to watch last year. I think because of the inconsistencies on offense as a whole, as well as the injuries that piled up especially at that position and then we obviously saw Jaheim Bell get some touches as well at running back it really threw off that rhythm that Juju had I felt like in his freshman season and how they use them and that's not to say that you know there were certain things in practice maybe they would have liked to have seen more from him from a consistency standpoint right I mean but what I'm what I'm getting at is when Juju had the ball, man, he was fun. He was fun. And to go to Todd's point, Todd says, who do you think is the best blocker between Juju and Joyner? Joyner. Joyner. And the, reason I say, and the reason I say Joyner is because the coaches have been praising. And that's not to say Juju can't block, 
But I feel like what we've seen, and that's one of the reasons why Juju hasn't been on the field as much. Um, yeah, Eric Douglas was talking about Juju's pass blocking. Um, I, I think that's a little bit of an underrated thing for Juju McDowell, but I think just because of DK's size, um, he can he can fend off you know but, an SEC edge. And what did Monterio mention too, though? Monterio mentioned that something that gets overlooked so much is that Joiner is on punt punt on the punt team and he's blocking and he's doing a lot of things that are very similar being asked and he takes pride in it as well so there's a lot of similarities and i will tell you this about south carolina i've mentioned it before with with the with, with talking about special teams it gets overlooked it's a small thing it's a small nugget but you'd be amazed by how many teams don't do this pete lembo wants to simplify special teams as much as possible think it can uh, we can it goes without saying that so far it's worked in South Carolina they were number one in efficiency last season and now Pete Lumbo is the highest special teams coordinator in the country uh, someone that does not have any other on-field responsibilities you know uh, which means you know coaching the running backs or anything like that obviously he's the, so- the associate head coach but he is the highest paid special teams coordinator in the country they use the same terminology when they're talking about blocking, when they're talking about angles, when they're on special teams uh, in comparison to when they're talking about running back position with angles um, in terms of what they call their technique Uh, from a linebacker standpoint, same terminology. You would be amazed. You would be amazed at how many schools, how many teams do not do that. You would think, why don't they do that? Because usually special teams, one of those coaches is usually the first, you know, that, that position is that you have people that are coaching other positions. So it's not as much of a focus. Uh, but special teams coaches sometimes hop around too. And they just you know, use whatever terminology. That has not been the case at South Carolina. They use the same terminology. So I think because of that, that helps someone like Joyner. Because yeah. there's a lot of terminology, language that he's done on special teams that now going back to running back, of course, different positions, there's going to be certain things that he's going to have to uh, learn playing running back in different lingo, but there's a lot of terminology. That's the same intern, Joe. And I feel like that can help him out a lot with that transition. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one thing South Carolina and Lumbo have done great. Um, it's just, you know, everything translates. I mean, whether you go from, special teams to offense and your block. I mean, it's all the same thing. So it, it makes, you know, guys, well, one, want to play special teams for Pete Lembo. I think that's what the program has done a great job with. Um, and also too, like it, guys are able to do it, like go back and forth and, and be able to play both sides of the ball. You don't see a lot of primary special teams guys. Um, you see a lot of guys from offense and defense, both getting out there and being able to do both. Um, and I, I think it, that all, comes down to Lembo and, and Beamer simplifying special teams. That way they don't have to spend, you know, a whole practice doing special teams or spend, you know, have take guys away from other time that they could be spending with their positional coaches. You know, they can kind of get in it and, and, and run it and rep it during practice as, as part of a segment versus, you know, having to take too much time with it. So I, I think that's huge. William brings up the point that I'm sure some Gamecock fans have thought about. I know our own Wes Mitchell wrote about this about a week ago. We talked about it as well on On3. Lenore Sellers will get you that one yard for first down. I'm interested to see the depth chart, not week one, 
because right now, and I know there's some people that will disagree with me, I, I still feel like Luke Doty will be your backup quarterback going into week one. But the question now becomes if, if at some point Lenoris were to jump him, just hypothetically, jump him and become the number two quarterback. At some point, at some point, I feel like you're going to want to use him a little bit more because if Lenoris is that number three quarterback, if he's number three or number four, whatever, right? But let's say number three. Is it worth uh, using that red shirt? Is it worth burning it? We know that he can play in four games, and that does not include the bowl game. Would you do that? Would you do that? It comes down to the risk versus the reward. And I think for South Carolina, if we do see him early on, if we do see him against North Carolina, if we do see him against Georgia, right? If we do see him against Furman, whatever the case may be, if he is used early, I think that's an indication that we could see him have, and I see some of the comments on the side here, kind of like that T-bowl role. I could expect expect to see him have a role throughout the course of the season. Mm-hmm. South Carolina is very, very smart when it comes to how they go about maintaining red shirts and eligibility. I, I feel like if he's playing early on in the season, right, then expect to see him have an increased role as the season goes on. Does that mean necessarily he will be the number two quarterback at that point or you know, middle of the season, whatever? No. But if you feel like he can help your team win, again, we're in a win-now mindset. I think it might be a, might be worth something uh, risking. And it's tough, too, because you're wasting a red shirt on a guy that plays quarterback. So, I mean, that's it's a position that – He has to have a big role. Yes. When exactly. I say big role, exactly. I mean, it just can't be like something one week, right? Yep. And it's just like, all right. Like, kind of like we saw with Joyner at times in your past. Well, in and past. with a kid with so much potential, too, you don't want to yes. waste a year. You know? Exactly. It's, it's a kid that, you know, has been so hyped up coming in. And then once he got in, you know, there's been so much hype around him. I mean, number one overall pick in the spring game as a freshman. Like, you don't want to – you're not going to waste a year of eligibility on that kid. So, it is going to be have to be a big role. I like the Tebow role. Um, I've heard that from a bunch of different places. Um, that would be interesting. But, again, it, it has to be a big role if you're going to use him at all because a kid with that kind of talent, you're not just going to waste a year um, at all. I mean, really – He's so much talent, Mike. It's ridiculous. He does. And we always saw a little bit of it. You know, I mentioned before, I said kind of pump the brakes just a little bit because there were things that in the spring game that we see that, and I'm not trying to, you know, tell you not to be happy about what you saw from sellers, but there's certain things that we saw that out there about, you know, going through your progression, being able to read. Um, that he's going to get better at. I mean, it, it happens, right? You come in as a freshman, there's certain things. I remember Satterfield, I think it was just last year, talked about it with Luke Doty and how that was something that he improved on, you know, from his freshman year. And obviously he wasn't here with him his freshman year, but they saw the progression of being able to read your progressions and going through that instead of just taking off, um, which he has the ability to do that. And it goes to the Big Reds question, you know, South Carolina looking for athletic running quarterbacks in the future until we get a stable depth at running back. I think 
I think that's a question that it's tough to answer right now because we haven't seen what this offense is going to look like with Dow Loggins, right? I mean, we could assume certain things. I've said this before. Expect South Carolina to be a team that plays with tempo, um, goes no huddle, wants to be able to not just stretch the field, but use sideline to sideline when they have their plays. They want to be able to use every inch of that field. Um, But I also think when you're talking about where football is now, you're looking at the trends and where it's heading in. It's not saying that the pocket passer is completely dead, but it feels like you have either a mobile quarterback or someone that can at least give you a little something so that you can incorporate RPOs. You can incorporate situations where it puts either, you know, that outside linebacker, if you're doing an RPO, um, obviously there's still, you know, read options with being able to read your end and passing situations, but being able to put your quarterback in a situation where if he's reading that end, if he's reading that outside linebacker, he can make a decision if he wants to pass it or if he wants to take off and use his feet. Obviously, that's been around for a while. I mean, we could call things everything RPO, RPO this, RPO that. No, we've seen quarterbacks been put in situations like that. But I feel like just where football's going now, the game spread out more. Going back to what we were talking about with running back, not that the running pack is not an important part of offenses, but it's not your staple. It's not your core anymore. It's your quarterback. Your quarterback is what really generates your offense now. I mean, you look back to 20 years ago, uh, there were teams that had, you know, you know, I think of the comment Beamer made a couple of years ago, uh, quarterbacks that were just hanging out at uh, five points. You could just pick them out at a bar. You would have guys that would just essentially be there to keep the offense moving, right? You know, um, be managers more than anything else hand the ball off, just do all the smart little little things. And it was just like the running backs would just take over. That's not where the game is anymore. That's not to say that there aren't outliers and players that are capable of doing that at the running back position, but you need to have a quarterback that can kind of do a little bit of everything. And Sellers certainly showed that, not just in the spring game. He showed that throughout the entirety of the spring when he talked to people with his arm, with his legs. Um, but he certainly will continue to have to grow if he wants to be this quarterback that I think some people are ready to anoint him already, which is being able to go through his reads, which, again, progressions, all that stuff, that comes with time. I mean, this is a kid that should still be in high school right now for crying out loud, and he's shown tremendous growth, tremendous uh, maturity from everyone that you've talked to. But, yeah, I think that's the direction where it's heading in, Jern Joe. Yeah, and I think to Big Red's question, I think one thing about this Dowell Loggins offense that people are kind of overlooking is that it's going to change depending on the personnel. I mean, I, I think it's going to change quite a lot depending on what they have in there. I mean, Dowell, you look at the NFL, offenses in the NFL change all the time based on the personnel, and I think Dowell's time in the NFL is, is you know proof that the offense will change depending on what they have. Yeah. Uh, so if, if they're short on running backs when you're I think yeah the offense is going to be more spread out but then if they have a, a running back heavy class or a running back and skill position heavy class obviously they're going to get the balls to the playmakers and let them cook you'll see a lot more shorter passes running between the tackles stuff like that 
I think, you know, it, it's flexible. It happens a lot in the NFL, and I think that's part of the reason why Dowell's NFL expertise comes in handy because he knows how to adapt on a daily basis. He knows how to, you know, have to change up his offense a little bit based on matchups and different things, mm-hmm. different looks and who's on the other side. I think that's one of the other key benefits of having a guy like Dowell and all of this NFL background. Um, it, it just goes such a long way when you apply that to the college game. And, yeah, there's not going to be as much turnover – because he talked about, you know, guys having class and stuff like that. But again, I think, you know, it, it's it's a little bit easier to design your offense around the weapons while keeping, you know, the same base structure when you have the experience of turning over, you know, a, a game plan and, and within a couple of days in the NFL like Dowell did. Look at you. Well said, intern Joe. Yeah. Well said. Well, I know, I know you got the family coming over. Dude. So we're going to wrap up just a little bit earlier tonight. Uh, but again, this is where South Carolina stands right now. We will keep you posted if USC has, you know, makes any moves in the transfer portal. Um, that's not to say that they aren't on the verge to. That's not saying that's not possible. But um, right now, this is what you have to work with. You know, this is what you have to work with right now. And with South Carolina, I feel like they're doing, again, they're doing good things. Certain positions, I'm sure you'd like to see a little bit more depth experience. I understand that. But this is where USC is right now. And, um, again, if you're upset that they weren't able to land one of the two running backs, I get that. But looking at Diggs specifically, I mean, it was an uphill battle. The fact that you were in that recruiting battle shows progress. You weren't going to be there. This this is two years ago. This is even a year ago. I don't know if you were in that situation. What gets you over that hump? I don't know if it, I don't know. It's tough for a situation like that. He's a homegrown kid in Louisiana, also recruited by Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. Certain things that you're not going to have control of, but the bottom line is South Carolina has done a really good job with recruiting for their 2024 class and at the end of their 2023, and that's why they stand at number six for that 2024 class. Uh, One more note, intern Joe, Gamecock baseball team. They are up for nothing, taking on Charlotte over at Founders Park team, who they lost to earlier this year. Colin Taylor and I did a show earlier, extra innings on Gamecock Central. You can go back and watch that on the YouTube page. He thinks they need to win at least 3-1. Get to that 40-win mark in the regular season, and that should be able to hopefully give them everything they need heading into the tournament. Now we're talking about the SEC tournament, but talking about the NCAA tournament. He's in turn show. I'm Mike Yuba. If you missed any of our show today, head on back to the Gamecock Central YouTube page and watch our show in its entirety. Or if you're more of a podcast listener, head on over to Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast, and you can hit the Gamecock Central podcast platform and listen to this show as well as many other shows on the Gamecock Central podcast platform. Everyone have yourself a good week, and we'll do it again next Tuesday.